This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery... Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. As we're based here in the UK, all times are in GMT. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 27th of February to the 5th of March. I'm Ezzy Pearson, the magazine's features editor, and unfortunately, neither of my co-presenters could join me today. However, I'm still going to be here to give you all the stargazing highlights we have coming up during this week. This week is going to be a really great one for all of you planetary observers out there. We have some great meetings of those celestial bodies going on this week, starting on the 28th of February, where Mars is going to be getting up close and personal with the moon. It's actually going to be heading towards an occultation in the early hours of the morning. Unfortunately, when that occultation occurs, so that's when the planet appears to disappear behind the moon's disk and we won't be able to see it on the sky, but we also won't be able to see it on the sky because it will have set below the horizon. It's only going to be visible if you happen to be in places like Greenland or Svalbard, which is an archipelago off the north of Norway, or parts of Western Russia. If you do happen to find yourself in one of those uh, remote locations, you'll be able to see the occultation happening. It's going to start at 3.13, so that's when it's going to appear to disappear behind the moon. And then it's going to reappear two hours later at 5.10 a.m. Here in the UK, however, Mars is going to set at 3.10am. So if you want to try and get to see these two close together, then the very early hours of the morning are going to be the best time to try and see that. You probably also be able to see it's the two close together in the evening sky, but just not quite as close as the moon will be creeping closer and closer throughout the night. 
Then moving on to the week, on to the 1st of March, we have a very exciting meeting between Venus and Jupiter, which will be making their closest approach of the year in the evening sky. Venus and Jupiter are two of the brightest objects in the night sky. The only things that are brighter is the moon and the sun. The best time to see these two is going to be about an hour after sunset, about 7.25, they'll be 11 degrees up in the night sky. So nice and high and you should be able to see the two close together in a nice dark night sky. They'll be up and visible for two hours after sunset until about 8.37 for Venus and uh, 8.44 is when Jupiter is due to go down. But the closer that you get to their setting time, the closer they will be to the horizon. And it's much better to see them when they're nice and high in the night sky. At 7.25, they're going to be 38 arc minutes apart. To put that into perspective, the moon is about 30 arc minutes across. So they're going to be about one and a third times further apart than the moon is wide. So if you're trying to work out what you want to observe them through, you'll need a low-powered telescope, so a telescope with a low-powered eyepiece put into it, meaning you can get a fairly wide field of view. Um, and you'll be looking for one where if you can fit the entire moon into the field of view of your telescope with a bit of room around it to spare, then that should be what's going to be able to, to get this pair into view for you. However, they are the two brightest things in the night sky after the moon, so they are very clearly and easily visible with the naked eye, even from fairly light-polluted skies. You know, you need to be pretty, pretty light-polluted to not be able to see these two. Jupiter is going to be magnitude minus 1.9, and Venus is going to be an even brighter minus 3.9. So because of the, the strange ways that magnitudes work, the more negative it is, the brighter it is. And that means Venus is going to be over six times brighter than Jupiter. So Venus is really going to outshine Jupiter, but both of them should be nice and bright and obvious. If, however, for any reason you do miss the pairing up on the 1st of March, I'll be honest, if you're out when it's up and it's clear, they're going to be pretty hard to miss. They'll probably even catch people's eyes. Um, I fully expect to hear a lot of people saying, oh, did you see that bright star last night? I wonder what that was. And that's when you can turn around and say that wasn't a star. That was Venus and Jupiter together. But if you do miss them, perhaps the weather's bad or, or you're caught up in something else, they will continue to get closer as they after they have set into the evening sky. And the closest approach that they're going to get uh, is going to be 30 arc minutes apart at 9am on the morning of the 2nd of March. I really wouldn't advise trying to, to view those then because they are going to be close to the sun. And we don't want to risk you hurting your eyes by trying to look towards the sun to see these two together. So even though the closest approach will technically be up in our sky, probably best to give them that a miss. Instead, what you want to be doing is looking towards the evening sky on the 2nd of March, because they'll still be relatively close together in the evening. Again, about an hour after sunset is going to be the best time to view them. And they'll be 45 arc minutes apart at that point. So one and a half moons. So that's a great opportunity if, you know, weather or whatever stops you from seeing it on the 1st of March. Alternatively, because these are going to be so bright and easy to see in the night sky, and you can see them getting closer and then further apart throughout the week, this might be a great opportunity for a fun little observing project, particularly if you've got any uh, little astronomers that you're trying to get more invested in the hobby, or you're trying to do something a bit more long term than just going up and seeing things in the night sky. 
go out every night, try and see the two together, and make some kind of record about how far apart they are so that you can track it over the course of the week. So starting on the 27th of February, every night, go out at around 7.30, uh, sometime between 7 and 7.30, and try and take some sort of measurement about how far apart these two objects are. Perhaps you could take a picture of them, or you could hold your fingers up on the night sky, even make a sketch of them to show you know, how they are orientated to the horizon and the nearby stars um, and each other as well. Then every night you go out and you keep this record and at the end of the week you will be able to see the motion of these two planets relative to each other on the night sky throughout the week. It's a great way to really start appreciating the fact that these planets are moving across the night sky. Then finally, moving on towards the end of the week on the 4th of March, the southern polar region of the moon is going to be tipped towards Earth due to an effect called lunar libration. We've talked about libration back on the last couple of episodes. Uh, you can hear that on our 30th of January and 6th of February shows, if you want to go back and listen to those. But it's basically where the moon appears to wobble slightly on the night sky. And in this case, it's going to be tipping that southern region into view a bit better. So it's a great opportunity to take a look towards the southern hemisphere of the moon. The moon's northern hemisphere is much more famous for its huge dark mare, which are across the surface. And there are a couple of mare in the southern hemisphere, but not nearly as many. So instead, I would advise taking a look at the Tycho Crater. Now, on the 4th of March, the Tycho Crater is what's known as a ray crater. So when it was formed way back in the day, a meteor came in and created this huge crater. And when it did, it kicked up a whole load of ejecta and dust. Because the moon doesn't have any atmosphere, that went high up into the sky and could travel incredibly far, hundreds and hundreds of kilometers. And it created these huge rays when it fell back down to the ground that we can still see today and we can still see from Earth. So that's a great thing to look towards. And if you want a bit more information about how you can do that, what the best ways to observe it are, how to potentially image it, we have some great guides all about ray craters on our website, www.skyatnightmagazine.com. And I'll put a link to those in the show notes as well. But the 4th of March, it will be tipped slightly towards us. So it'll be a great opportunity to look at that. The moon's going to be about 92% lit. It's going to be a waxing gibbous moon as it heads towards full moon on the 7th of March. But we will come back to that on next week's episode. And if you don't want to miss next week's episode, do be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out. So to summarise in this week, on the 28th of February, Mars and the Moon are going to be getting nice and cosy on the night sky. Then on the 1st of March, we'll have the closest meeting in the evening sky of Jupiter and Venus, two very bright objects. And finally, on the 4th of March, it's a great opportunity to look towards the southern hemisphere of our moon. So hopefully there's lots of things in there that you can start looking forward to and getting out there and observing. And we hope to see you back here on the podcast next week for even more stargazing guides. 
If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. Thank you.